Hey, Taco Tuesday fans, this is Christian Brindle. And I am Glenn Shelton. We came together and it combined our forces to create something special for insurance agents called Taco Tuesday. Let's taco about insurance. My company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, and my company, Lead Heroes, is here to bring you the latest and greatest news happening in the insurance industry today and eat some tacos while we do it. If you enjoy the content that we put out on this podcast, feel free to leave us a review or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Taco Tuesday. It happens. Okay, so I just hit live. Should be live. Testing one, two, three. Hello. Welcome okay, to. Okay, so I see the live in six figure. Do you see the live in your group? Or I can check. I'm just curious if this works. Says, I got a notification that said you're live in my group. Sweet. So. Sweet. Oh. Welcome to Taco Tuesday, officially live in two different Facebook groups, you guys. First time um, ever. First time ever. So welcome welcome to a historical Taco Tuesday. And we have an incredible topic today. We already kind of had a, I don't, a, what would you even call that? I would call that philosophical. I would, I, would, I would call that a philosophical off the record Taco Tuesday. It really was. Yeah, it really it was. was so engaging that like I couldn't stop debating you about this topic. <laughs> right. Like my my wife was like, okay, she she was like trying to go to bed and she's like, Will you shut up? And I'm like playing your voice. <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, she's like, she's like, she's like, you're still talking about that? It was like an hour later. I'm like, I'm like, it's it's good. It's good convo, baby. It's a good convo. I kept waiting for you to stop responding. The only reason I was able to talk that late into the evening is because my wife wasn't home that night. Otherwise, I would have gotten the death threat yeah. way sooner than you. But um, before we get into the, what this topic was, that was a nice little teaser. They don't know what it is. Um, what about tacos, bro? What do you got? Today? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Um, we're doing this new thing where our office manager has an app on her phone and she spins a wheel of right. taco goodness. So the taco goodness wheel today landed. You muted yourself. You muted yourself. <laughs> there we go. There we go. The 90 year old man. You muted. <laughs> our unofficial sponsor. Is what I had to do. I had I had someone call me earlier, and I was like, I was like, oh, don't mind me. I'm pre gaming for Taco Tuesday, <laughs> and I'm like eating tacos on the phone. My phone. <laughs> I had to hold back. I really wanted to eat at least one of these. I have. I'm still on the homemade train. Mm, I'm kind of jealous. I did kind of want Taco Bell, but I mean, come on, homemade tacos, guys. Are you kidding? Look at this. If you're listening to this, you can't see that I'm zesting with lime juice on these beautiful Ooh, homemade so beef bean we got tomato lettuce sour cream bell peppers cheese flour tortilla that looks really oh, good so good i think the biggest question on this today is are those so those are flour tortillas not corn tortillas flour not corn what i don't 
what was Justin dropped a knowledge bomb last week on that? What what was his what he said the way he said it was? I don't remember. I don't remember, remember now. Everyone should go buy his course just to see if he talks about that. <laughs> so big time Brad Hannon um, did check me on something. I put, you know, call center versus brick and mortar in the top. <laughs> he said it's Brock and mortar, sir. So I, I apologize to the great Justin Brock on that. Um, didn't mean to disrespect his, his, um, his brand of the Brock and mortar. It makes sense. It makes sense that he has he probably – franchise or coin the term knowing Justin I wouldn't be surprised and very few I mean you know I think that's a great transition into the into the topic in general yeah. I think because so just to kind of fill the audience in on what we were talking about over over the weekend I actually really like that I can see the comments here and I don't have to look on Facebook I actually really I don't know for some reason I really like that well, we got to get everyone to register it's nice to know who it is right for sure um but we were having a really good conversation about like what is a better route for someone to go in terms of starting an agency? Like, is it better to do a traditional brick and mortar agency, Brock and mortar agency? Sorry, Justin. Um, or is it better to do like a call center type format um, and to really try to scale the call center up? And I feel like we got into a great conversation of kind of back and forth because like you were more on the call center side. Yeah, I'm more on the brick and mortar side. Not that I have anything against the call center model. Like I think, like my, my opinion on it. Oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. You say it three times, and there he's there. The Brock and mortar. I I apologize. Right, well, Brock and mortar. I'll, I'll I'll edit this. I'll throw it in the <laughs> thumbnail. Everything. Brock and mortar. Um, but and, and I, I'm I actually think you know. In general, the call center model has a higher ceiling, right? Like I feel like it, it can scale to higher higher places than, than the brick and mortar. That's just my personal opinion. However, I'm a big believer that I think anytime you're putting limitations on your business model, I think, you know, if you try to put it in a box, right? You're like, okay, so I have a brick and mortar agency. So now I can only do X, Y, and Z, or I can't do what this call center can do. I feel like that's when you lose. I feel like you know, if you believe that your brick and mortar agency can be, you know, a humongous revenue generator on the same pillar of a call center, then I can kind of see um, it maybe be an equivalent. But like, I, I feel like they're very different. It's like apples and oranges in terms of business models. And so um, making a mess today, dude, I'm embarrassed. I keep just I'm filling my beard with tacos for anyone <laughs> watching this. So, so Justin said they're like Facebook leads versus organic Google. That's a great analogy, actually. Yeah, it's not in the preface this whole conversation, because I'm sure Christian and I are going to get into this. We're probably going to say things that are a bit biased. Again, Christian's coming more from the brick and mortar side of it. I spend most of my time in a call center environment, whether it's my call center or I'm dealing with an insurance call center, um, you know, the agents who are actually selling um, and I personally, I've worked in a brick and mortar before. I, I know a ton of brick and mortar agents. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, and Christian also on the flip side of it, Christian's done tons of telesales. So I think we both have like a pretty good idea of both sides of it. Um, what did you, you didn't come on. I got to see it. What, what do you, what is it? 
You're, you're like sneakily camera there. Come on. I just got taco in my beard, bro. What do you I don't say? want it to spill all over me. <laughs> but it will. Okay. So the, oh, Doritos Locos. That's my favorite show. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of my preface to this kind of debate we're going to have. And obviously, if you guys are watching this um, live or even after the live, feel free to add your comments below about what you think about a call center insurance agency versus a brick and mortar insurance agency and how they differ and maybe some of the pros and cons. So, you know, to kind of start, I'm a huge fan of efficiency. And when it comes to the number of presentations that an agent can make in a day, having that call center environment, typically a call center or a telesales agent is going to be able to make two to three times or maybe even more presentations in a day than someone selling face-to-face in that uh, office environment. Now, I think kind of the, the catch-22 here where the office agent or the the brick and mortar agent has a potential advantage over that call center agent is where you start getting into some of the seminar marketing, right? You, know, you have a group of people that you're presenting to face to face. Well, now you could potentially leapfrog that telesales agent. Even if that telesales agent is able to make 30 presentations in a day, you might have a room of 50 people there. And if you do it right, I've seen seminar marketing where it can be extremely advantageous. So there's lots of variables to kind of both sides of the equation. Um, At the end of the day, overall, though, I still kind of lean towards the call center because I think it is more efficient on a day to day basis. Right, right. I mean, I I feel I kind of look at it this way. I look at them as very different. Like I said, I, I think that the call center model is probably going to have a higher ceiling in general, like on average, right? If you took the average call center, combined it with the average um, the average brick and mortar. The other thing with brick and mortar is it's going to have a much less overhead, far less overhead than a call center model, right? Obviously, they have more retention as well of their clients in general. At least that's that's been my observation. Like, you know, it's it's. I've talked to a lot of people that run call centers that their their retention is like around 60, 70 percent, whereas like a traditional brick and mortar should have probably at the the, the bare minimum. If you're unless you're doing nothing but D snips, but right. a bare minimum of probably 90 percent retention. Like we probably have, without knowing the exact number, so we probably somewhere between 95 to 98 percent client retention year in year over. Um, but so I, I, I look at them as very different than each other. Um, it's, it's very interesting. And the other thing that, that somebody mentioned that I think it was Tracy that, that mentioned in the comments that I think is relevant and really important to mention is you can run a brick and mortar and have call center like tendencies, right? Sure. Like you can do kind of like even like almost like a hybrid, I should say, maybe. I don't know. Are you, are you taking my term? Did you really just take my turn before I could say it? Okay, for the re- let the record show here. I'm the one that called the hybrid model a thing before Christian said the word hybrid. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. I was taking notes when we were having our conversation. That's right, yeah, that's what I, I see that, stealing my ideas. Um, but no, I so I personally know a very successful hybrid model. Now, it was a very small agency. We're talking three to five agents. 
but they were very active in their local community. They got foot traffic that came in off the street, not a ton, but they did. You know, they were doing networking stuff with, again, you know, local groups that they could get involved in. I don't know if I would say they ever really did seminars, some of these group meetings potentially, um, but then the day-to-day activities were almost all telephonic. Like they're not structuring their day-to-day where it's like, how many appointments can I set for people to come in? It was really structured as, you know, this is a telesales operation. And so, you know, if before I had seen that, if you had asked me if I thought a hybrid model was even possible, I'd probably question if it was even possible. But to see a small scale environment work well, I, I do think it's possible to have a hybrid model. My like my curiosity, though, is, is there a point where that model doesn't really scale or where there's too much confliction between the day to day operations and, you know, OK, well, this is the call center side of the business. This is the, the face to face or the brick and mortar side of the business. You know, is there a, a confliction there where it, it's not going to scale? I mean, North Star is a great example of a huge call center environment. I mean, when I saw that video of the walkthrough of North Star, it w- blew my mind of what's actually possible. And and their calls, I mean, I don't know, 300 agents. I don't know. I, maybe it's bigger than that. But the idea of trying to take a model that big and have a hybrid on it where they have a huge local presence on top of what they're already doing I don't know if that would make sense. So it, I do think you kind of maybe at scale, I think you kind of probably have to pick like what direction you're going. Right. And, and another thing to piggyback on that too is like, at least in the Medicare space, a lot of times call center contracts are completely different than that's a huge point. Yeah, that's a huge point. And so like if, if you're, if you're contracted, let's say as a brick and mortar and you really lean into maybe being a call center and you're structured like a call center and you look like a call center and you smell like a call center and everything, but you don't have call center contracts, you're probably screwing yourself because <laughs> the call center contracts are a little bit more advantageous from my understanding, you know, in terms of maybe just the individual independent agent contract. Um, I think, I think it's, it's interesting because I look at the brick and mortar model as more of like relationship selling with your clients, especially for the senior market, right? Whereas the call center model, not to say that there's not call centers out there that do relationship building and relationship selling, but I think for the most part, for most call centers, you'll find it's probably much more of a transactional thing, right? Um, It's like somebody, you know, ordering something off of Amazon, except for you're calling Amazon kind of thing instead of, whereas like, you know, someone goes to their local grocery store and they build a great relationship with you know, the people that work at the grocery store, the clerk or whatever. And like, um, I feel like, I feel like it's, um, hang on, I'm reading a, I'm reading a comment from Mr. Brian Tobias. It says Medicare Advantage call center contracts are less lucrative financially to the agency. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I had heard, I'd heard something different. I've, yeah, that that's, and, and again, I think when it comes to contracting, I think it's so specific on the situation. Well, the upline, you know, what the distribution looks like on a quarterly annual basis, you know, how long. So that seems, I I don't know, that seems like kind of a blanket statement to me because I've seen so many different contracts in so many different ways, but I think it, it is specific to that agency. 
Um, I mean, it's crazy how many, like every time I think that I've seen like, oh, like I've seen every call center contract that you could think of, all of a sudden I'll see a contract that I didn't even know existed. Because what happens is, you know, these groups form and then they'll form new types of contracts where, you know, the model is different. LOA, marketing agreements. I mean, you name it. I've seen all sorts of creative uh, contracts that that these uh, IMOs, FMOs, NMOs will put together to entice people. So I don't know. That's that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I I I feel like it's you can definitely probably, you know, it's it with with a call center model, it's all about, you know, ramping up production for each individual agent. I've heard a lot of call centers tell, you know, r- owners and people that run call centers say that the goal is for each agent to sell two to three policies a day, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I've heard others that are the numbers higher than that, but I think that's kind of the consensus for a lot of call centers. Um, whereas like if you're in a brick and mortar, I mean that it, it might more be like one or two a day, you know, or something like that. It just kind of depends. Like for me, we were doing probably 70% face to face before the pandemic, but it was all in, 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 in office traffic, right. right? People coming into our actual office and sitting down. So there wasn't any like windshield time. I feel like that's the other thing too. When like people think of, Britain, True. they feel like they, they picture some guy on the freeway and there's like a million dead bugs. <laughs> on his you know, that was me, day. dude, for years, driving yeah. all over. Yeah. <laughs> that's me too. That's me too, for sure. Like yeah. that's how I started. But I feel like when you really grow a brick and mortar to a, to a, to a place that it's established, it, it, it is a lot more efficient than maybe one might originally think because everybody's coming to you. And then when they're not coming to you, you're doing stuff over the phone. Like we're probably now 60, 70% over the phone in terms of sales. So, and this is like a whole nother part of the conversation that we didn't even get into before, but I remember when captive mutual of Omaha agents were still a thing. And for some of you, uh, taco Tuesday listeners who haven't missed an episode, you might remember that I actually was started lead heroes working inside a dead mutual of Omaha office, which that whole craziest story I've ever heard it really is a crazy story, but um, you know, I got to, I talked to some of these captive agents that were still alive and around at the time. And I think another side of this that again, we didn't even talk about yet is the, the trust level when you have someone come into your office and they sit down with you at your desk, I think you're talking about a, a trust level. You're, you have such high credibility at that point. They're in your place of business um, you know, they're looking around at your office. If you have, you know, a professional office, they're thinking, okay, this guy's legit. They're not going to be worried about talking about specifics, whether that's health stuff, maybe that's getting into some of the financial stuff. And that's what this, this agent at Mutual of Omaha really capitalized on was like, yeah, we're going to take care of your health stuff. You know, we're going to, we'll get your Medicare taken care of, but that was like secondary. Like she almost this this agent in particular. I remember she was just kind of like, "Yeah, we'll do that, but let's talk about long term care and let's talk about your financial situation for retirement and let's talk about you know a potential fit for annuities, variable variable annuities, like the whole nine. And that was like her primary focus. And I think 
um, from a call center environment, if you were trying to replicate that same conversation, I think it would be much, much harder if you're trying to build that trust into financial products and some of these bigger, you know, life insurance policies or long-term care policies. Um, and so that's an upside that I think brick and mortar has that call center doesn't have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's very true. Like, like one thing my dad always told me when I was a new agent, when I was like in the year into the business is um, he would always say, you know, the office sells, does a lot of the work for you. The office sells the policy or the office does a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that yeah. selling for you. I believe um, it. And, and I, I think that for like, for me, like people say that I was, you know, incredibly benefit, you know, benefited by being able to work with my dad and, in certain, and that that is one particular way that it was very beneficial, you know, to have a place that was kind of like our home base, and someone could come in and sit down and meet with me. Although early in the early years, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand to take advantage of that, and that was something that was a benefit of me. I felt like I had to go to every house, and so I wasn't even capitalizing on this beautiful office that we had, you know, and having people come okay. in. I was still going to them and they never saw the office and they never, it didn't do anything for me. You know, it was like a place to just go every day. Um, right. I mean, nowadays I, I have people come into the office infinitely more than I ever did before. And I really go to no one's house, <laughs> you know, right. because I feel like it's all about, like you said, that efficiency. I feel like the brick and mortar model can be very efficient. I think if it's done the right way, I feel like so many people look at it like, you know, they put 30,000 miles on their car every year, that kind of thing. And, um, but at the same time, it's probably much easier to get traffic and lead flow and volume at scale with a call center in general. It's just, it's, it's, it's very different. It is very different. Also, like something that I keep thinking about too, while we're having this conversation is LOA agents versus non LOA agents. And I feel like the call center model is really geared towards LOA. Um, I feel like the most successful call center owners that I talk to, they've got LOA agents, they're paying them a salary. You know, they're, they're giving these, these agents very competitive income without ownership in the client. So that model really structures it to where the call center owner can win big, but also the agent can win big because not every agent wants to scale a giant company, right? I mean, that's something that I always thought was silly at first, but the reality is the majority of agents would do well with a nice LOA contract versus trying to go out and hunt on their own every day. Um, and I kind of feel like it's almost the flip side for brick and mortar where it's almost kind of structured more towards non LOA agents where it's a, you know, a traditional hierarchy, um, you know, Hey, once you get your production to a certain level, you know, we can move your contracts up, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think about LOA agents in this whole scenario? I, I think you're spot on. You know, I feel like when, when it comes to brick and mortars, you'll see a lot of brick and mortars that are maybe like a four or five man agency. And, you know, they'll have one person that's maybe a GA in the Medicare Advantage world. And right. that GA will be their leader, you know. Um, and that, that person has them contracted at street level. And the only thing they make when that agent makes a sales overrides, you know, but, yeah. but they're providing office space. They're providing this, they're providing that. I usually find they're not usually going to provide a lot of leads um, right. to those people. And they'll provide some and they'll help them with some marketing tools and things like that. But, 
Um, like, and it's kind of interesting because that's how my dad always did it with agents. When I, when, when, when I first started out, that's how he did it with me, but that's how he did it with everybody. Like he had tons of people in the office over the years. Um, and he always set them up at street level. And I, I think, you know, he would teach him how to knock on doors and grassroots and, you know, cold <laughs> call for, for Medicare supplements compliance, complete, uh, com compliance. Police. <laughs> and, um, but, but that's what he would teach him. You know, he wasn't right. necessarily like breaking the bank to get lead orders and marketing dollars for them. Right. But he was justified in doing that because he was like, okay, I'm teaching you, I'm training you, I'm giving you an office. Um, and I'm, and I'm making sure that, you know, you, you, when we, when we do have certain situations and opportunities pop up that you're involved with it, but you'll see more agencies like that. I feel like in the brick and mortar world, at least that's my perception, then you will call centers that are, that call centers definitely not like that, but you won't see as many brick and mortars that maybe have the LOA model. I think that's becoming more of a trend really lately. So to counter my own point there you know, Florida, of course, for those of you listening or watching, Florida's like call center capital of the world, right? There's probably good old Florida, good old floor, floor right, which I know you have a special, there's a special spot in your heart, Christian, I know for Florida, you probably have a tattoo. I'm guessing there's a hidden tattoo. Whoa. Maybe you've got like the, the Florida Keys too, like you did all the, the right like, on the neck. Right. <laughs> from nip to nip is it just florida <laughs> i don't know guys i haven't seen the nips but um <laughs> to get back to my point here florida is obviously like call center capital of the world i don't and i guess out of curiosity why do you think that is is it just the environment because so many kind of breeded more is it is there certain rules or laws there? Is it the what? What is it you think that really triggered Florida to become call center capital of America, essentially? Well, I feel like Florida is becoming more and more of a haven for businesses in general. I feel like Florida and Texas because um, they're very easy on businesses, right? They're just not as hardcore as maybe like a California will. They have no state income tax, right? They have. You know, they're very friendly. It's a very friendly state for does, businesses. Does Florida have income tax? State income tax? No, no. There's no, there's no state oh, income okay. tax. That's probably a big draw. Well, that I, was a big part of why I went there in the first place because I was like, yeah. oh no, state income tax. But then they, they got they got different taxes. They that's how it always, and that's tax. how it always. Everyone talks about the state income tax like it's like you can sneak around, but they'll get you somewhere else, guys. I promise you. That's how it always is, but. Anyways, to get back to my point here, so Florida, you know, call center capital of the world. I did hear that there was a call center in Florida where the structure was not LOA, where the call center was really like, hey, come into the office. We'll give you a desk. We'll give you a computer. We can set you up on a dialer. You know, we can get you leads or tell you where to buy leads. And it was all you know, hierarchy, traditional contracting, you know, come build your book of business. And apparently that call center did really well in that model, which kind of was surprising to me because again, I'm so used to the LOA model where it, it is, Hey, come in, we'll get you a salary. We'll get you inbound phone calls. We'll get you a commission. We'll get you a bonus. We'll get you benefits. It seems like that's the go-to model. So it was interesting to hear that there was supposedly the successful call center model that kind of went against the grain 
Um, and yeah. but again, I'm I'm sure there's exceptions to brick and mortar too, right? I'm sure there's brick and mortar where they're LOA agents, they're getting a salary, you know, and and they're getting spoon fed everything, you know. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, so the, this is what I've learned over the years. Anytime I feel like something is a certain way or it's it's a certain model, I right. find someone or something that kind of goes against the grain and it, you know, is the complete opposite and it works, you know, in terms of business model, structure, philosophy. Um, I mean, it could be the most ABC like, you know, you know, duh kind of thing. You know, everybody knows this. And then someone will be like, well, well, I, I did it completely opposite and it, it worked really well. Like I, and, and I think that comes down to, and someone commented on here earlier, I thought it was a very good, you know, invalid point it really depends on your personality, you know, your, your personality in terms of like having your business shape at and, and be molded around what your personality is. Um, and I, and, and that's kind of where you get into a place where your business can be a hybrid or have, have features of both and that kind of thing. Um, like I think, you know, for me, I didn't even really think about LOA agents in, in, brick and mortars until I saw what, you know, what Justin Brock's agency did is, you know, he's the one that comes to mind for me because, yeah. you know, their traditional brick and mortar, like they do, they, they, they operate it's so much like a brick and mortar as much as any company yeah. I've, I've ever observed from afar, but all the agents in the office from my understanding are LOA agents, you know, so it's just, it's, it's very much to where there's no cookie cutter model, I guess, if you will. That's that's like one of the biggest red flags for me. I'm holding the pretend red flag, you guys, is when when someone says when someone says this is the way to do it and there's no other way to do it. I I jump on that person almost every single time because I'm like that's bullshit. <laughs> Some there's I guarantee you there's someone doing it differently who can have an equal or greater amount of success. You don't have to buy one type of lead. You don't have to sell one type of way. You don't have to sell one carrier, one one policy, one type of policy. Like there's there's so many niches that you can kind of carve out within this whole senior insurance realm. Um, one thing that uh, and and you know to to Justin Brock's point, which we had talked about in our conversation before. You know, I think what's really setting him apart that I don't see a lot of agencies doing at all is that local branding that he's spending money on. I mean, I think a lot of agencies could dominate their local markets if they started spending a significant marketing per percentage of their marketing budget on local branding. Did you see the truck, dude? I was so jealous of that yeah, truck. Yeah. I want a truck now. I want a van. I don't care what's. I'll just drive it around town. I don't know. That was <laughs> sick. I told him that too. Did yeah. you? What, what do you think about that? I I could be wrong. So if this is if this is not the case, Justin, feel free to check me. <laughs> but there was a guy that I. No, I'm not, I don't, I don't know him very well personally, but, and I'm not sure if he was either working for Kellogg insurance marketing or if he was contracted with him, but he had like a bus, like a Medicare bus. I don't know get if you remember, but like, he just loads him on. He's like, get on the bus. <laughs> it was like a bus. It was like a school bus. And, and, and it was like Medicare, Medicare bus. And I took a picture of it during AP because I saw it in a parking lot. Um, and I posted it in six figure Medicare agent. Anybody can go find it. 
Um, it's in there somewhere if you can if you can track it down. But I posted that, and then I think some other people started posting it around and things like that. I think that's where he got the idea from from that guy. Right. But I remember seeing that, and I was like, and 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 it seemed to me like there were people like lined up outside of the bus. I was like kind of really quickly moving by, so I didn't get a good look at it. But I was, it almost seemed like they were like. It was like a party bus for seniors. It looked like a party bus for seniors with maybe take the pole out or anything like that in the middle. But it was um, <laughs> it's I I feel like that branding, you can do that in a local market, like you said, and just completely yeah. take over and just kind of strangle out all the competition. Don't, yeah, don't compete um, nationally. And, and that's much harder to do with a call center because the call center is so much it has to be yeah. national. Yeah, it's got to be coast to coast, which is much harder to do. National trying to do a national brand, like the sort of competition you have when you try to do a branding marketing campaign nationally, you're just you might as well light the cash on fire because you're not going to compete with the branding of Humana Aetna. I mean, you're you're competing with the carriers essentially at that point who are dropping billions every year into national brand. I mean, right. Listen, if you're at that type of size, maybe it does make sense to start running some, some national branding, but for most agencies, you know, your city, your state, your part of the state, like, like maybe a multi-city region where you could dominate your local market. And that's really what I think just, I mean, Kudos to him, wherever he got the bus idea. My first thought when I saw the, the van, I was thinking like food truck. And then I was thinking like, what if what if you like marketed your insurance? And I, I know this is like, we talked about Taco Tuesday. Like we're, we want to have our own taco truck, which Taco Tuesday will happen. happen. Yes, it will happen at one point. But it's like, what if you drove around? And I mean, I don't know. The compliance police will probably chime in and be like, you can't get out free lunch. You can't get out free lunch. And then fifteen dollars, Glenn. Is it over fifteen dollars? Is this taco more than fifteen dollars? Is this the Department of Insurance? These guys are talking about giving away lunch and selling insurance. This can't be legal. Each taco was an average of fifteen dollars and twenty-five cents. I want Glenn's app on a platter. Give me the Department of Justice right now. I need a warrant for his arrest. Get me, get me President Biden on the phone. <laughs> Sir, is this Kamala Harris? No? Give me Kamala Harris. We're putting these guys in jail right now. They did not use the right pronouns. Hello, 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 police. Police, there's a Medicare van down here. We're selling too expensive tacos. Get down here. Hurry. <laughs> Um, one point that I totally, I spaced on when we were talking that I really wanted to make when you're talking about personality wise and like which business format fits your personality. And I know I'm pretty sure I've told this story on Taco Tuesday before, but it definitely makes sense to tell it again here. Um, one of the most successful final expense agents that I've ever known, and maybe there's some that are in the same region or, or not same region, but like same level of success as this guy, you know, he was in the, I'm pretty sure he's in that half a million on his own pen. You know, there's, there's a few guys that come to mind when I say that, but this guy in particular, this was before the pandemic. 
he saw the business was shifting telephonically. And he was like, I'm going to just get on the phone and start banging out these FE deals. And in my mind, and he told me this before he tried it. And in my mind, I'm like, if anyone could do it, it'd be him, right? I'm like, this yes. dude sold more final expense than just about anybody I know. Like, literally, he's probably in the top 1% of final expense producers ever on his own pen. And, you know, I I kind of kept up with him. And then, like, six weeks down the road, I was like, hey, how'd it go? I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, did he's like, he's like, I hate it. He's like, I hated it. It didn't work. He's like, I'm back in the field right now. He's like, I'm selling right now. And so that was kind of a wake up call for me too, because it's like, you could literally be the best, the best at the model that you're running. It does not have anything to do with, with like you, it, once you switch to a different model that doesn't ensure success, like there's no guarantee at success. If you're a great telesales agent, you might suck in person vice versa. Um, I think it's just, it's its own unique animal, you know, when these different business models, there's no one size fits all. And you're definitely not going to crush every model either, you know? For sure. For sure. Like it's, it's, it's so crazy to me how people can be so great at one aspect of their business and struggle in another, like, like I'll, I'll tell this story in the last week, you got on the phone with me and listened to me try to call and deals and I was I'm I'm bad at it. I'm no good at it. You know, like I'm one of the best Medicare salesperson people I've ever met. You know, especially for Medicare Advantage. That's really what I'm really like phenomenal at. Um, and I just you know it's it's it, when when I try to do FE like that whole day on the phone I sold one FE policy like maybe a thirty five dollar a month premium nothing huge or anything like that like it was just a not a good day and it's just one of those things where like, you know, not everyone's good at everything. I, I wouldn't say you're bad at it either. I think you're being harsh on yourself. I think, I think you needed to be pushier. I think you need to push harder. Yeah. And I think in general, and I was just talking to an agent today about the difference because I had an agent that's new and he was like, I'm looking at doing both final expense and Medicare. I'm literally talking to this guy this morning and I'm talking about, well, here's kind of the differences between the two. And I think final expense, you have to be much pushier than Met Medicare. It's, it's more, yeah, it's more of a consultative sale. It's like, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. These are the pros. These are the cons. You know, this is what I would recommend based on your situation. Final expense is like, hey, Mrs. Jones, you don't have anything. You're going to let your family down like that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on, let's get you signed up right now. You know, like that's an exaggeration. But the reality is, is like you really do have to be pushy sometimes with these people and be like, you have nothing in place when you're when you die. Your family has to pay all of your expenses that are net, whatever that looks like cremation, burial. You know, maybe there's, you know, certain obviously not every debt goes away when you're dead either. There's some debt like taxes. You got it. You know, if you have a spouse, I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff that, that could get carried over. Um, and so I think I think that's really the animal. I actually there were some things I'll, I'll kind of shared since you brought it up. I really liked the transitional question. You know, Christian was having small talk with his clients. It's like behind the scenes, guys. This is this is gold taco Tuesday right now. This is this is super juicy. Um, but 
you know, Christian's having the small talk with his, his clients, right? So he's like, you know, hey, checking in on you. We want to see, make sure your policy's still working for you. Yada, yada, yada. Great little small talk. And then my line, the line that he used that I loved, like I honestly felt like it was almost like Wolf of Wall Street status. Like <laughs> you're, I just felt like you were hooking them every time with this line. You're like, hey, can I ask you a question while I've got you on the phone? Yeah. Everyone said yes, dude. Every time you, nobody said no. Every single person that you asked that to said yes. And so they're like, the whole point, like you have to have people saying yes to get to another yes. So right. like, that's a huge win. And you're also transitioning out of the Medicare conversation. They, they understand that this is probably going somewhere different because you're, you're, you're segueing. So I really liked that a lot. Like if I would steal that in a minute, if I was an agent and I'm on the phone, I would start use, using that right away. Like, Hey, well, I've got you on the phone, Mrs. Jones. Can I ask you a question? You know, can, can I ask you something really fast? It's, it's, it comes from the place that like, and, and what, you know, to put it into perspective for anybody that's listening, like what, what we were doing was like, I was calling up existing clients of mine on the Medicare space. I'm trying to talk to them about FE. So I made the initial call to just check on in on them and be like, how's your plan going? Everything working okay? So you 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 want it, you 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 want them, you don't want them to to catch on that the reason why you're calling is not to check on them. <laughs> That's really what it is. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and part of it too is we got a lot of voicemails. I feel like that was part of it too. We needed like an auto dialer or something like that. But, and I was picking like specific clients out of a list or something like that too. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I, f I feel like in terms of like, and, and you'll always hear things too, when it comes to telesales, like going back to like the brick and mortar versus call center thing, you'll hear certain stereotypes about telesales. Like you can't sell direct mail leads over the phone, you know, and you can't sell final expense over the phone. Some people, like you just said, you know, that example you gave with that, that agent, you know, that's a phenomenal face-to-face -face final expense agent. He has on the phone. Yep. Like last year during the pandemic, I, I wanted to put that to bed that you couldn't sell direct mail over the phone. Like I, I ordered, I ordered a, and I, and I, there's a video on six figure Medicare agents, YouTube channel about this. I ordered um, a direct mail drop with lead concepts. I got a 1.2 response rate. I just did a, small little thousand piece mailer and I got 12 leads back out of those 12 and like three or four of them didn't have phone numbers or something like that. Out of those 12, I closed six apps, six people. Now granted they were duels. Some of them fell off <laughs> at the end of the year that does happen. But like that, I just did that from my kitchen table during the pandemic when our office was shut down. Cause I wanted to prove a point to where, you know, stereotypes are just that stereotypes. You know, if it's a lead, you can sell it over the phone or you can sell it face to face. It just kind of comes more down to your personal preference and your personality and your style, probably more than anything. I think <clears throat> I think it takes a greater attention span to succeed in a call center. Yeah. Because I think I think like the natural salesperson isn't a desk jockey. Right. So I think that's I think that's kind of a natural barrier to that, like that guy I was, I mean, this final expense agent to go back to this guy, he had his presentation down to 25, 30 minutes. So literally within 30 minutes of him entering the house, 
he's either walking out with the app or he's walking out before that because he knows it's not a deal. So when you, when you think about like the pace, the pace that that person has now become routine to, to try to take that and put it behind a desk, it's not going to train. It doesn't make like, it's, it's like a sprinter versus someone trying to run long distance, you know, like, right. yeah, you have to be athletic to do both, but it's, it's really different. It's, it's different muscles, different training. And that's really how like face to face versus telesales is. Um, what yeah. do you think if, if you had to, if a new brand new agents coming in, so like the guy I talked to this morning, he was very, he was on the fence about all of it. He was like, I'll sell over the phone. I'll sell face to face. I'll sell final expense. I'll sell meds up. Like literally he could, he could have gone any direction. Where do you think it makes most sense? If you want an agent to have longevity in the industry, where do you think they should start? If, and cause again, we're kind of talking about the different models whether you're independent or you're an agency owner, where do you think longevity comes from? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if my, the answer I'm about to give is the best answer or if it's really the right advice. This is, by the way, yeah. guys, if you're watching, this is the blood of new agents that I'm drinking. <laughs> this is how I stay young. <laughs> this is how I stay young. <laughs> I take the blood of new agents. Taco Tuesday, just on ice. <laughs> be looking young and fresh but anyways continue i just want to look i want to look spicy for you all so i need to bask in the blood of new agents just pour it on my hands oh yes the so, um, but the usually what i'll do like if i'm training somebody that i feel like is a brand spanking new agent like let's say they've yeah. never done it let's say they're newly licensed which i don't take a lot of those anymore these days because it's like with everything i got going on there it's it's tough to to help them um, cause it needs so much, you know, right off the, right off the bat. And sometimes I just, it's more than I'm, I can give at this point in my career. Um, but what I'll tell a new agent that's just brand new like that is I, I, I typically tell them, I was like, I, I think the best place for you to start, like, I'll give you an example. I have an agent of mine. He's working with me. He's 65. Um, and he's done sales forever. He actually, the what, agent is 65, right? Yeah. And, um, he used to sell set um, PNC maybe eight to nine years ago. Um, he sells mattresses. He sells all kinds of stuff, you know, he, he's, but he's a good salesperson. Like he's got the, he's got the, the, right. the gift of gab, right? He's got yes. good communicator. He's, he's good at articulating himself. So like, I, I think he can do it. Um, and, but he's, he's never really done sales over the phone like this, at least as far as I know, I, I told him, I was like, I think if I were you, I might start out just going to people's houses, you know, because he doesn't have an office. So I'd be like, I, I, I think I'd start off going to people's houses and get comfortable, get some sales under your belt, get your confidence up a little bit, get, get some money coming in. And then once you feel like you've really gotten good at that and mastered that, then it might be more comfortable for you to, to, to transition into over the phone if you want to. I feel like it's harder to learn over the phone than it is face to face. I do, I do believe that. Um, and part of that is because I started face to face. 
Maybe right. if I started specifically from the get-go doing over the phone, it would have been easier for me. But it was hard for me to start to learn how to do over the phone. Like it took me a couple of years to really understand the differences and kind of you know pinpoint what I needed to do differently right. than what I was doing face to face. So a lot of times when I'm working with a brand new agent, I kind of do encourage them. Maybe it's not a bad idea to start out doing face to face and then work your way up to phone sales later on, but like just to get some confidence. Cause there's so many agents that come in and get licensed, appointed, certified, and then they'll never sell anything. And they're trying to do it over the phone right from the get go. And they're just getting murdered, getting slaughtered. I'd want to highlight that point really fast. There's an incredible amount of agents who get licensed, get contracted and they never sell shit. Like I want like it's an incredible number of, of agents out there, you guys. Like just so everyone's aware, like that's a very real <laughs> true yeah. that. Like it's probably astounding the percentage that's come in, get contracted, and then sell less than five apps their whole life. Right. And, and a lot of it in in my opinion, I think it comes from they don't they they're not they're not doing it in such a simple way that they can get some wins. Because I feel like what, what the difference between an agent that makes it in the business that lasts long term and an agent that doesn't is I feel like the agent that lasts, I feel like for one, they're more persistent. They probably work harder. They're more. I mean, all that stuff is true. But I think another component to that that's not talked about enough is the new agent that, you know, they, they experience some wins, right? They, they experience some wins. They get some direct deposits, right? They, they have that dopamine go in their head when they make a sale like that matters. You, you can't just eat totally. shit all the time and yeah. one day, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like when I'm training a new agent, that is in my mind, that component yeah. is in my mind. I'm like, I think you need to get your first sale. Like that's the first benchmark right now. Sell one. And I feel like the easiest way for someone to do that right off the bat is to, to do it face to face. And so that, that's usually what I treat, teach a new agent. It might not be what everybody agrees with, but well, the turn, but like to go back to the brick and mortar versus call center, like the turnover for call centers has to be higher, right? Wouldn't you think? Got to be. Got to be. Like if you had identical compensation and you ran the models side by side, same contracts, same leads, you know, 100 agents in brick and mortar, 100 agents in call center, I would think the failure rate at that call center has to be twice what the brick and mortar is, you know, brick and mortar has 40% bailout and the call center after a year, maybe it has 70% bailout, you know, obviously it depends like what qualifies as a failout, but in general, I do, I mean, selling over the phone is much more difficult, I think for the average person, especially if you don't know what you're doing. And I do, I've heard that a lot from agents before, it's like, hey, go sell face to face, go sell face to face. And then once you get that, once you know, take a year, sell Medicare face to face. Once you feel like you have a good grasp on it, then you can start selling over the phone. I don't disagree with that, but I also, I don't know, part of me wonders if if you train someone, because the best agent is someone who's brand new. They're moldable, right. they don't have bad habits, they're willing to listen, they're gonna learn. I'm wondering if maybe the best thing to do is to take that person and, and try to mold them into a telesales agent. If it's a call center model business, maybe that's the best way to do it. Cause maybe trying to just, you know, transplant a successful field agent, maybe that's actually harder than if you just like 
compress someone into a molded model and said, Hey, watch this, read this pitch like this, like, boo, 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 just like spoon feed an agent in a call center environment. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I think, I think there's a lot of validity to that for sure. Like I, um, it's, it's interesting because I've had agents that will work with me that, you know, they'll want to do phone sales. I'll tell them, I'll be like, okay, you know, I'm like, let's do it. And, you know, we'll do some training. Um, maybe they'll even listen to me do a call or two, you know, on something like they'll be, you know, silent on a three-way caller or they'll be on a zoom call or something and they'll listen to me dial or something. Right. Um, and they just pick it right up and run with it, you know, to where, to me, I feel like they're exceptional. Um, and with or without my training, they would have done good. Um, I do feel like there's those people out there. I also, and, and, and some of those people too would not be good for face to face. Like I, I had an agent that was working with me recently that, you know, she's, she's a female, she's a pretty small female and she had this anxiety of going to people's houses because she felt like she was vulnerable. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I completely understand that. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't have that same fear going to someone's house. Not that I'm the biggest person, but like, who's going to want me, you know, who's going to want to keep me. You know, when I go into a house, dude, I've been in some houses, bro. I've been in some houses. Silence of the Lambs story is the only one I got like that. But, <laughs> but, but, but I completely understood where she was coming from. So I do feel like it's an agent by agent situation. But I, I do feel like I, I find myself giving that advice to more new agents than not, just because I feel like the agents that might do better off starting out with telesales, I feel like there's less of those around, but, but you could make the argument too, that like, if you start them off right off the bat and they're learning telesales and that's all that they know, then, then sure, certainly I, I just worry about them. I just worry about having a higher turnover rate for the agent, I guess, is where I'm. I wonder if there's a way where you could like almost like a personality test. There's a way that you could qualify a new agent and, and then be like, okay, your better fit is, you know, I wonder what the best way to qualify someone before they come into the industry. The only reason I feel like I transitioned to phone, cause I did do phone sales for a while. The only reason I feel like it was relatively easy for me is because I spent so much time appointment setting for myself that I got super comfortable on the phone. I mean, I was, I literally set my own appointments for three years before I got into telesales. And so like I was so used to like, you know, you know, knowing when to pause your tonality, you know, like all those little tiny things, like I had already ironed all of that out when I was doing my own appointment setting. So transitioning to telesales, it wasn't a huge jump for me. I, I, so, you know, maybe there's a hybrid model there too, where they can get their, their, you know, cut their teeth. Like you said, I think getting those easy wins, building that momentum I think that's what can really separate some of these losers from winners as far as like agents failing out of the business goes. So maybe there's like a hybrid model there where in their first 90 days, they are learning some telesales, but they're also doing face to face, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, let me, let me, let me put another variable into this too. I feel like it'd be far easier for me to teach an agent telesales if they were here in my office with me all day. Like, I, I do believe that, you know, like, um, 
I, I've had much more luck being able to teach somebody phone sales when I can sit here, I can listen to their calls, you know, I can um, listen to them from the other room, you know, I can get up and walk in there and be like, hey, don't say that, say this, you know. Um, Shut up, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that is very helpful for me to teach somebody phone sales, like, and and same same probably reigns true for for face to face. I can t you know you can go on ride alongs with people and things like that if you're local with them. Um, but would you classify your model as a hybrid then? Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't know what I'd call it if it wasn't that. Like, because yeah. about a year ago we were probably doing seventy percent face to face, but it was all in office, like ninety nine point nine percent. I mean, the most the most recent agent that you were training, right? Wasn't it really a hybrid training? Weren't you basically yeah. training? I, I remember you telling me, you're like, I'm in a house. Like, didn't you? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I remember talking. I'm like, okay, he's in a house right now. Like, and then at the same yeah. time, I remember you telling me you were training the, the agent also. Tell, like, you sounded like you were really training both sides of it. I, I was. I was I was trying to get her some momentum was what right. I was trying to do. So, right. like, you know, she she sold seven apps while she was with me. Six of them were over the phone. The yeah. one that I texted you on was the only one that was face to face, but there were some face to face. And so like we were just trying different things right. to see what she would be more comfortable with. Um, and, and, and it, and it turned out, you know, like probably not the greatest example, but, like, <laughs> but, hey, but not but, every agent makes it. We already discussed right. that. But, but like, you know, we, 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 we started out, trying out different things, you know, to where like we, we, we did a couple, we did like a, an educational event, you know, we set up a table and everything like that. We, we tried to go door knocking, you know, with old direct mail leads and things like that. Um, we were doing things over the phone. Like we, we, we were doing a mixture of different things. I think that's the, I think that's probably the only reason she sold as much as even she did was because we were attacking it from every angle. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if I, if I was to bring an agent into my office, let's say tomorrow, and I was going to teach them, I'd probably teach them a mixture. Like most of the face-to-face -face training that we were doing were people coming into the office. And so I would like an agent of mine to know how to do both, you know, to do it over the phone, but also be able to not like make weird faces in when, some, when they're face-to-face -face with someone. I wouldn't want them to go like, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Right. Right. I'd want them to get that, that body language corrected as well. Um, because we do do a mixture. Like it's still probably 60, 70% over the phone, but that means it's still 30 to 40% face to face. And we got to get that part of it down too. And so that that's probably why I was training both. But um, I, I I would say you'd have to call my, what, what we do a hybrid, because we do do a mixture. I would, if someone asked me, like if before this, before we had this conversation, if someone was like, hey, is Christian a call center or, or, or is he selling, you know, face? I'd say he does both. I would say you do yeah. both pretty efficiently. So what do you think Christian Brindle Insurance Services looks like 2024? What what Ooh. model do you feel like you're really pursuing? Let's let's assume you've scaled up. Let's say you've grown. What What's the model look like? So for me, the, the long-term vision of the company is, you know, I want to build a field sales agent team um, in office and kind of doing the same kind of thing that we do now because it's been very effective in you know terms of getting people to come into the office, maybe doing some events, maybe doing th some things over the phone, doing a mixture of things. Um, yeah. 
the, the best way I can explain my approach for getting new business is I try everything. I do. I try everything. Right. Like I, I try. I don't really put myself in a box, really. Like I, I, I love to try new things and try different approaches. And sometimes they really work and sometimes only really work for a little bit of time, you know, and I'll milk that for when for that time period that I can. But I, I picture that. Um, and I, I, I picture us long term and growing um, as that part of the business grows, also growing the FMO side of our business and working with more agents and contracting agents and agencies and things like that. Um, that's kind of what the, in, in, to me the vision is. Right. Um, I, I think diversification is huge. I, you know, if the pandemic's taught us anything, the people who were at least semi-competent in phone sales had a huge leg up over everybody else. So, you know, some people might listen to what you just said and think like, oh, he's, he's not, he doesn't have a clear direction, but I, I think it's a great idea because you don't, you don't know what's going to get hot. You don't know if, you know, Things could change on any number of levels where mm -hmm. one model could become significantly more profitable for you than another model. And I think pursuing a little bit of everything and, and kind of figuring out what's working when, and then also maybe being able to tailor that to your agent, I think that's I think that's huge. I, I really think that's a model for success. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I one thing one one quote that I I, I repeat all the time, and I always want to not steal it. Um, but but Justin, to go back to him, Justin Brock, he always says everything works a little, nothing works a lot. I yeah. I, 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 I believe that. You know, yeah, I, I do too. I embody that. And so like I, I was talking to an agent probably last month um, and they were like, you know, what do you do to get business? I was like, well, I'm like, well, that was starting to think about it. I'm like, well, this month I'm like, we're doing custom calling with Lead Heroes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, we're doing direct mail. We're doing Facebook ads. We're doing a seminar. We're doing, <laughs> I'm yeah. just listing off like all these things. I get to like 10 different things. I'm like, I just bought like 300 age leads. I'm like, yeah. and I'm just going through all these things. And they're like, they're like, I'm, I am like lost. She's like, I don't think I can do all that. I'm like, well, you can't, you're new. I'm like, right. let's just figure out a couple things you can do and put together a plan based on that. I'm like, but for me, um, I like that diversification because like, let, like direct mail is not pulling too good right now. It's really not right. like, you know, I, I've done several orders lately and they've been under 1%. One of them was like under half a percent. Um, you think that's saturation of, of Medicare marketing mail? Possibly. It, it's possible. Um, it's, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that's gotta be part of it. Um, there's probably more direct mail, Medicare insurance companies today than there were 10 years ago. Um, oh yeah. There's more mail going out for Medicare today than ever before. I would bet my life on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but like that, that's not working all that good right now. So what do I do? I lean into something else. You know what I mean? We're doing more work with you guys um, yeah. for that, you know, because, of, and so that is really kind of the best way to explain my business is just, you know, we're flexible, we're adaptable. We can, go any direction we're always going to be we're always going to be able to eat yeah no i think it makes perfect sense i'm trying to think if there's any side of this that we haven't you know as we're kind of getting towards the end here and i'm thinking back to our conversation that we had before i mean is there is there a side of this that we haven't gotten into that we talked about call centers i think we i think we covered it pretty in pretty good detail there i think um like i i 
I really have a hard time saying one model is better than the other. I, I really look at it like apples and oranges. Yeah. Um, and it's like, are you an orange guy or an apple guy? Like, right. <laughs> but, but I do believe, you know, if someone was to going to go all in, let's say start from scratch and they wanted the biggest possible, you know, piece of the pie that they can get, I think a call center is going to be that more. Um, like for me, you know, I, I started in the brick and mortar because I, I, that, that's how I was taught. You know, I just didn't know anything differently. If I started over today, let's say I just snapped my fingers and it was all gone, but I knew everything I knew today right. from scratch. I, I might start a call. So I might, I might pursue that method first just because I've, I've seen what it can be for others. I would, I mean, again, if I were to start an agency tomorrow, it would probably be all call center. I'd probably go completely virtual too, just because again, that's what I know. That's what I built. That's what I, I operate every day is a completely 100% virtual call center. There is no physical location. You know, everything's being done online. Um, one thought I had too, before I got in into kind of that thought is when we were talking about the hybrid model, I feel like technology might accelerate that model where you could have a local face-to-face -face brick and mortar, but if someone calls you and they're like, hey, I just want to get on the project, you know, your your 3D projector. I just want to jump onto that. You know, let's 10 years from now, let's let's get wild about what okay. technology okay. looks like, right? Yeah. You know, maybe you can have conversations where you guys both are like 3D in a room together and it's like a hologram and you guys can talk to each other and you're having almost a face-to-face -face experience virtually over the phone online. I think at some point, I don't know when, but I think something like that is probably not as far away as we probably think it is. I mean, so, if, if, you, if you think about it too, like I, I agree, I probably think it's more around the corner than a lot of people think. Like, look at what we're doing right now. Yeah. We couldn't yeah. do this probably five years ago. No, no. Like, this, this wasn't a thing, you know, like yeah, only, yeah. I didn't know about it. Like, I don't, when, when did going live, when was that even, when did that become a thing? I don't know. It was, it was like within the last five years, I think, dude, I, I don't think it's new. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's old. I think it's relatively new, you know, I feel like to, to get an indication of how far it can go in the next four or five years, look at how far it's come in the last four or five years. Like that, that's, that's what really pops out in my mind is like, you know, we're essentially almost like we're having a face-to-face -face conversation right now. Like it's as close as it can possibly be. So um, my wife was watching Oprah. Oprah did, did like a bunch of interviews during the pandemic and the way she set it up, even though she's not in the room with them, there's two rooms. They're designed identically. One where one guest is one where she is. And she <laughs> essentially has like this giant mirror in front of her. <laughs> And like, she's looking, dude, I'm telling like, if you look at this interview, like there's so many times where it feels like they are sitting in, like, obviously there's, there was probably a lot that went into this, right? Like this isn't something that like any Joe Schmo could pull off. Right. But it got my wheels turning when I saw Oprah doing these interviews remotely. I'm like, I'm like, this is pretty close. I'm like, <laughs> this is pretty close to sitting in, in a room with someone like you're in private rooms. There's nothing but that person right in front of you. You can see everything in real time. I mean, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's too far off. I Chips. really don't. The chip in the head. 
<laughs> I'm going to project into your mind now. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, Glenn, I'm going to hit the chip and I'm going to access your thoughts so you don't have to verbalize them to me anymore. <laughs> Thank like, Oh, isn't that nice? Who knows where this thing will go? Like, it's not going to stop. That's probably where we're headed at some point. Oh, yeah. um, so, but I think that's part of the reason why I lean call center is because most call centers leverage technology way more than brick and mortar, right? right. So like brick and mortar, I see so much more of the the old generation of insurance, the you know, here's a stack of your B, you know, your age direct mail leads, the B leads. These are one to five years old. You know, here's your desk. Good luck. You know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Raw, you know, like just classic yeah. sales, right? And like, you know, the industry, our industry was really built on that, right? Like people right. hustling, people calling direct mail leads, people knocking doors. But the flip side is, is I don't, that's not where the industry is going. Like, so you have like the foundation and what we were built on, and then you have where the future is going and they are like opposite ends of the spectrum. And now you do have people that leverage technology and brick and mortar. I think Justin Brock is probably a great example of that. I know he does. Um, but there's a lot of brick and mortar. And I think that's at my core to kind of wrap up, you know, this whole conversation I think that's what pulls me to call center is technology, convenience. I think it's what the consumers most of the time want, especially if we're talking something transactional like Medicare. They want to get on the phone and be done with it as quickly as possible. They don't want to travel somewhere. You know, some of them might have trouble traveling. The pandemic is a great example of people not wanting to meet with people face to face. So that's where at the end of the day, if it was like, Glenn, here's a million dollars. What type of agency are you starting? You know, I'm definitely going call center for sure. But that's not to say it's the only model. And it's not to say that it's the best model. It's just my preference. Yeah. Yeah. I think my final thoughts to kind of wrap up too would yeah. probably be um, it's such an interesting conversation. Like one aspect that I think I forgot to mention, and, and I was wonder, I'm wondering if you'd agree with this, yeah. because of the overhead, the increased overhead with a call center, I do feel like it's, it's higher potential reward in terms of where you can grow to, like I mentioned earlier, but I do feel like it's a lot higher risk too. Like it's a much higher risk of failure. So you've mentioned this a bunch, right? You keep mentioning mm -hmm. that call centers are high. <laughs> I'm not trying, in my mind, the reason call centers are a lot higher overhead is because usually if you're comparing brick and mortar non-LOA versus call center LOA, call center salaried agents, brick and mortar downline agents, in that comparison, 100% you're right. There's a ton of overhead. If you have 50 employees on payroll, <laughs> that's a ton of money that you're forking out every two weeks. That's a lot of payroll. Yeah. So um, is that kind of when you, when you keep talking about, is that, you think that's kind of the core of the overhead or is there other overhead that I'm not thinking of? Besides well, I think like, I, I think you probably need, like, unless it's a virtual call center, like you mentioned the virtual call center, that's obviously a different story. But when I think of a call center, I think of a big room with cubicles, Right and a bunch of people sitting at the cubicles. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily 
the way it's well, what's a brick and mortar 50 50 people in brick and mortar 50 people i mean it's a building i think yeah. i think a call center could utilize office space more efficiently than a brick and mortar potentially yeah that's pro that's actually probably true that's actually probably true i mean i guess i guess it depends on okay let me ask you this okay cost per acquisition which that, was higher that was brought up. Yeah. So that more. was brought up. That was brought up. And I do think it's completely different. And I would say that a call center has a higher cost per acquisition. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that sitting face to face with someone has a higher closing percentage. Yeah. That's what I told the, that's what I told the guy this morning. Like I mentioned, I talked to this agent this morning, brand new, could go any direction. I told him, I said, you know, if you sit down face to face with someone, you could easily close more than 20% of your leads. If you're selling exclusively over the phone, you're probably going to close less than 20% of your leads, you know? And so if you're closing 25% of your leads and you're sitting down face to face with someone, obviously that means, you know, the higher your closing percentage, the lower your CPA goes, the lower your closing percentage, the higher your CPA goes. So Right. That's a, that's another, that's a really valid point. When we're talking about overhead, if your CPA is double, for example, because you're in a call center, that's overhead. But right. I think, right. I think the combination of things of what you typically see the the salaries, the higher CPA, um, you know, the, the potential cost of technology, computers, whatever it is, I think all of those things stacked up. Now you're looking at massive overhead compared to just a brick and mortar office where you just have a desk, you know, here's your desk, <laughs> yeah. you know, for sure. For sure. Like, yeah. so I, I, I think it's, I think it can be comparable. Like, let's say you're, you know, de depending, um, like when you're looking at maybe an organization that's an equal size and one's a right. brick and mortar and one's a, a call center. I, I'm, I'm sure that there's, there's areas of that, you know, that, that are probably comparable in terms of that actual overhead. Um, For sure. I feel, I, I feel like um, the, I, I do feel like it's probably easier to fail in the call center model. Like I feel like it is a higher risk. I, I do believe that maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm wrong about that. And I don't have as much experience with the call center model. I feel like with, the brick and mortar, it's probably a little bit less. I mean, unless you just stay in bed all day and do nothing or I don't know what, I don't know what people do. But, um, like Which it's impossible. Because technically, like if you think about a brick and mortar, like if you're just talking like, and, and, and this might not be even brick and mortar, this might be independent versus call center agent, but like, you know, someone can set up in their basement, you know, and then grow into a brick and mortar or something like that. Um, it's, it's really interesting. The way I look at it is I, I feel like it is very, very different. Very, I think they both have the unique challenges to them that are only to that side, brick and mortar as well. Um, right. And I think they both have their positives and negatives. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do believe that um, there's a lot of advantages of the call center model, like you said, and the, the technology of it, the efficiency of it. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um and I, I think it's probably going to get, I shouldn't say this, this is like shooting myself in the foot, it'll probably get harder to do the real traditional brick and mortar in the next I think, day. I think so. I don't think that's, I don't think that's wrong at all. Like I said, I think, I think the technology trend is trending us to remote 
too virtual away from face to face. I don't think that's wrong at all. Again, I want to take a moment, you know, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. You know, we've spent over an hour now talking about the different business models and the pros and the cons and, and what works, what doesn't work. And our opinions, you know, obviously, again, we're biased. We have our own reasons for being biased the way we are, but we'd love to hear from you guys. So as we kind of finish this episode up, feel free to comment below. Um, subscribe to the Six Figure Medicare Agent channel. You'd be crazy not to. Christian has a ton of great content on that channel. And moving forward, you guys, on Taco Tuesdays, we are now going to be split streaming between our Facebook groups, which I'm super pumped about. So I love StreamYard. It's cool. It is. Awesome. Well, hey, any other final thoughts before we we sign off here, Christian? No, I think I think we covered everything. I think yeah. I think this is a really good episode. I think it's going to be made for I a great so too. I think so too. And I think it's I think you know this is a debate that's going to be ongoing. You know, I think this is something that people are always going to be, you know, kind of butting heads about what's better, what works, what doesn't work. You know. Yep. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on on your end? No, I think I kind of, yeah, I think I kind of wrapped up, you know, like I said, a call, I lean towards call center, you know, I lean towards virtual. I think that's the direction that, that the industry is going, but you know, I think again, the, the final line is what works best for you. You know, you need to figure out what works best for you and for your agency. Yeah. I, I like that. And I agree. Um, cool guys. Thanks for watching. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed yeah. it. And, um, if you're watching the replay, let us know your thoughts. We'll both reply. And if you're watching the replay on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Do do it all, and then buy Six Figure Medicare University while you're at it. And and, and, buy, uh, and buy all the leads from Lead Heroes. Just all at once. Buy it all. Buy it all. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, See you we'll next Tuesday.